Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to The Greatest, a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Greatest. I'm Megan Gailey, and I'm joined by my husband and my co-host and giant Lakers fan. Well, giant LeBron James fan who is on the Lakers for the last yeah. two years, CJ Toledano. Hi, 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 Megan. Hi, honey. Um... We are recording on Monday evening. Yeah, this might be like the latest we've ever... Well, well we've recorded episodes more current. Well, part. we... Um, we had other plans. Yeah, so we interviewed Derek Fisher. Yeah, if on, you're a new listener. On Thursday, which you're going to get to hear very soon. Mm-hmm. And then we waited to record this part of the podcast until... The Lakers won, which CJ thought was going to be Friday evening. You why know, it moved, you give, it moved like, a few times. Why don't you give just a little rundown of the stuff you had set up for Friday? Okay, well, first of all, any new listeners, if you're listening because you're a Lakers fan, you're a Derek Fisher fan, this podcast does have a premise where we talk about the great, we have our greatest picks for certain sports topics, categories, or whatever, like, you know, greatest player, greatest team, greatest whatever. So this episode is a little bit more special. We haven't done either of those topics, though. Yeah, I know. They're but just you, too generic. If, if you want a bunch of episodes yeah. about sneakers, we're yes. here for you. Um, but yeah, so this episode is a little bit different. We're just so Laker crazy over the last few weeks. Well, we got to interview a Lakers yes. legend who is still so a part of mm-hmm. the L.A. basketball community as head coach yeah. of the Sparks. And then the Lakers won the NBA championship last night. So it yeah. feels so, I mean. My greatest Derek Fisher moment, if I if I need one, is, <laughs> he talks is, about it. Is the point four? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Second shot yeah, against the Spurs. Yes. I mean, yeah. There's so many moments. I mean, I guess you know we would be actually it'd be kind of redundant for us to do because everyone's been talking about the greatest moments just because the Lakers have been you know winning and they went deep in the playoffs and they won last night, but also Kobe, you know, passing away. There's been a lot of reminiscing about the Lakers franchise and just just really historic and I'm actually really embarrassed when you know in the last 24 hours everyone congratulating me 
because I, yeah, I became a fan because we live here now. We'll probably live here for the rest of our lives. And I've just followed LeBron wherever I've gone. Wherever he's gone. Yeah. Wherever, oh yeah, wherever, wherever he's, gone. he's gone. Yeah. You're not, you not, you not on an NBA team. I'm not. I have to get used to that. And but, I don't mean that in a mean way. Yeah. Just so you remember. Yeah. But uh, the plan was we, we interviewed him last Thursday. The night before what would have been game five, uh, and everyone, I mean, we all deserved, any anyone who was rooting for the Lakers truly deserved the Lakers losing on Friday night because I had bought champagne. We interviewed Derek Fisher. We were talking about, we were asking him questions, and you'll hear it. You invited people to our home. I invited people to our home. Social distance you, you party. In, it was not social, party. It was social distance, but it was the most amount of people that have been a, in our backyard, just in our backyard. Yes. Um, Masks, masks on. Yes, but to the point where distant, where plus ones were trying to bring plus ones. Oh, you like shut that, it down. You shut it down. I had. Right I didn't mean to, to be mean. I just we. Can, <laughs> I can, you can't have a stranger in your home yeah. during pandemic. So we learned from that. It was still a nice time. It was nice to watch sports with other people. I think everyone was really safe, which was good. Even them losing was fun. Yeah, I mean, what a game! Like, let's think about it. Had that game. Ended in a Danny Green game winner. That's not what I mean was fun. I mean, it was fun for me personally to yeah. get to see people I hadn't seen. And the sprinklers turned the on Lakers, and, and our actually. friends got wet. Yeah, some people even said, man, if this is the way I got COVID, I wouldn't be that mad. <laughs> did you say that? No. Did, one of now, my friends did. you mentioned Danny Green. Yeah. If you are listening to this and you are one of the people mm-hmm. who sent Danny Green and or his fiance a death threat. Yeah. What's going on? It's weird. And when they say death threats, I I don't... Well, I shared this with you yesterday. I don't know. What? I don't know what you're going to say right now. That I, I, that I don't know if they're death threats that are like, you should die. Yeah. Or if they were more like, I wish you had been on the helicopter. No. They're both bad. No. But I mean, I wanna, yeah, like I it's dark. The- YouTube comment. Megan isn't making that up. Like, that's not... She doesn't think that's funny. It's truly sports fans. It's not. It's not even that. I mean, are like so, disgusting in the comment section. And I, I, I guess let me not preface because I'm. Let me make up for. What I <laughs> yeah, said. I was like, I don't want you to think people. No, I do that. not take this lightly. I'm not being flippant about it. A, a man once commented on a video of mine that he wanted to choke me and have sex with my dead body. So I guess I am able to at least come to, I know this is no one cares about me. No one, (laughs) no one actually wants to kill me, but I have had people on the internet say they want to kill me. So I do feel like I can talk about it at at least. Yeah, you deserve to talk about it. But let's keep the podcast. Let's keep the podcast about the Lakers. The Lakers won. How did, how did that make you feel? Last night. It made me feel mostly happy for you. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I was really, I'm, you know, uh, the Kobe of it all. And I love Jeannie Buss getting to watch her. I always, I don't forget about her, but like, there's just so few like women in ownership positions. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's just a badass. And just seeing her interact with the players, it was really a nice We've been we've been watching the vlogs and hearing the stuff that comes out of the bubble, but to see just such a joyous 
moment in the bubble. Yeah. And, and the joy, I think, was from the victory. And then on in Adam Silver's part, the fact that they pulled this off at all. You know, like everyone who went to the bubble, whether, you know, it's the Pacers who got swept or the Lakers who won the championship should like really be so, so, so mm-hmm. proud of themselves that they made this sacrifice for the country, I yeah. think. Yeah. It, uh, to me, a Lakers championship, even if I wasn't a Lakers fan, I'm not just saying that. It is, it's just the perfect exclamation point on, the, you know, this NBA experiment, which went incredibly, but also just we needed a pick me up in 2020. And I even have friends who hate the Lakers who are like, yeah, this makes sense. This is like, like good momentum going into an election. Mm-hmm. Like it seemed like, right. Like the people who don't like LeBron are insane. Um, and the people like we have diehard Clipper fan friends who are like, yeah, we like LeBron. Like LeBron, he, again, you've said it several times. You said it in our interview coming up, but he is not only trying to, you know, win it for Kobe, win it, for the, you know, to get the, the, what is it, acceptance of the Laker community, but also is fighting social injustice, getting people to vote, you know, for, for, you know, black communities. Was willing to leave the bubble. Yeah. Was willing to leave the bubble. Yeah. Willing to leave this opportunity to win a championship because yeah. he did not feel as though the NBA or the players mm-hmm. were, were getting to accomplish what they wanted yeah. to. And that is when you saw this deal that the stadiums will be mm-hmm. voting places. I think some of the places have reneged on that, which is not great. And in addition to LeBron for the Lakers organization, like you see those trainers and and the, and the owners in this and all of the people that like, not even the organization, we were just downtown and it's just as many Kobe jerseys as it is (laughs) LeBron jerseys. And I'm, I'm sure that will change in some way, but people are still mourning. And, and that really was the kickoff to what has been one of the most difficult years in existence. And so it it does feel like something just and right happened as a result of all of this other bullshit that's been bad. Yeah. I remember the, the first game that the Lakers played after Kobe's passing was against the Blazers and everyone was like, Oh man, we like it meant every single game meant so much more. A championship meant some more for them, and I remember they lost, and it was totally understandable that they lost. Like you just saw, there was they were defeated. The look in their eye, they were kind of just like confused, scrambling. Like it was just a weird emotions in that arena. But for them to come together as a team, so much stuff happened with this roster. Avery Bradley sat out of the of the restart. They added J.R. Smith and Dion Waiters. You know, there it was just there was so much adversity that they overcame. Like in LeBron again, so much on his plate. Like, if you ever asked me to work out on a work day, like I'm like, that's nah, too much. Like LeBron has 19 things he's doing on a daily basis and is like coming through on all of them. Mm-hmm. So I'm really happy about it. I'm really happy. I'm, it's, you know, again, we might be homers or bias here, but like the city of L.A., I think really not needed this. Like, you know, every city needs something right now. But like this was sunny out there. We walked around Staples and it was a, a nice feeling. And I think people in L.A., um, yeah, they they deserve this and are, are going to enjoy it. 
I'm going to miss the bubble so much. I know. I got, I, I like got choked up telling my therapist last week how much <laughs> the bubble has meant. To, I mean, it really has been a, a bright spot yeah. and it, it's given us something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, like the team I love, number one in my heart had such like a terrible exit and mm-hmm. I still had fun. Like yeah. everything about you it. You the TJ Warren stuff. Oh, everything uh, about the bubble, even, I mean, the Lou Williams, the, the, everything was fun. Yeah. I feel so bad for Daniel House. Um, but I, I just, congratulations to the NBA as, as a whole for, for really making Everyone else looked pretty fucking bad, too. <laughs> I mean, that's like kind of five. I hope Adam Silver gets to like really rest now. Yeah. But I know that the 2020 season is already upon us and there's all of these, you know, changes and things that need to be put in place. Yeah. And he obviously does that better than any other commissioner, minus the hockey man. I don't know his yeah. name. Um, but but thank you to him and and best of luck. And I mean, what an audition. If he tr- if he wanted to become president, what an audition he just did. Like it's if the job of president is to manage a group of people and you're looking at their financial, like you're you're handling financials, health, you know, residents like, man, that's he did it, uh, I guess, in a small sample size, but really came through not a single case that came from within the bubble. So shout out to Adam Silver and the um, WNBA as well. Yeah, yeah, we get into that with Derek. They, you know, end up getting less credit, but also did the same exact difficult feat and and upheld their bargain with activism and entertainment and and everything that they gave to us. I don't know what we're going to watch now, but. Well, we're going to watch the NFL. (laughs) Which every day, hey, the game is, this giant game is postponed or canceled, but, you know. And we're going to watch the Dodgers. Yes, go Dodgers. Um, go anybody but the Astros. Yeah, and honestly, yeah, we're, shout out to all the players in every sport who are returning right now. Like, we, we've seen one come to a happy conclusion. Just hope that same for all these leagues that have done the restart. And, yeah, I mean, hopefully we're close to some sort of, like, tangible phase of the pandemic being over uh, you know they they're estimating november i don't know why i'm getting to this talk but like yeah the vaccine could potentially happen next month and it's okay honey <laughs> yeah. cj doesn't know what he's talking I don't know what about I'm talking. Okay. this is what i've heard in a no. youtube video okay. but. without further ado um here is our conversation with lakers legend Derek fisher and i hope you enjoy it If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, guys. The moment we've all been waiting for a very, very special guest in a very, very special week in, like, last few months, uh, Laker legend, current head coach of the Los Angeles Sparks, we are so, so thrilled to have him. Ladies and gentlemen, Derek Fisher. CJ. <laughs> Happening, man. How you doing, man? I'm thankfully doing well, man. I cannot complain. You know, healthy. You know, the kids and, and the missus are safe and healthy. You know, my mom and dad and family back home in Little Rock are healthy and safe. And so just right now, uh, there isn't anything else I could ask for. So yeah, I'm good, man. I, I, mean, yeah, I love your... LA hat that you're wearing. I've never uh, yeah. seen it's a it's a Dodgers hat with a rainbow flag. It's a Dodgers hat, like you said, a rainbow flag. Uh, I ran across it about a year and a half ago, right before I started up with the Sparks in terms of like training camp and my first season. And I really felt like it just represented how I feel about life and the W and everything, right? That we we should support everybody regardless of, you know, their personal beliefs, their personal choices, like they're still human beings and deserve to be respected. And, you know, I've uh, I've gotten a lot of compliments for, you know, with the hat and uh, it, it stands for something. And that's, that's why I really enjoy wearing it. That's great. I mean, yeah. So before we get into all the Lakers stuff, I also, yeah, we want to put a spotlight. I mean, you've been the Sparks coach for the last two seasons. You just, I mean, unprecedented. I mean, everyone's saying unprecedented season. You're in the bubble. Can you tell us a little bit? I mean, you just got out of there, what, a couple of weeks ago? Like, how was it? How was that experience? Yeah, no, it, um, it was a life-changing experience. Uh, you know, I, I hope that we don't have to experience that, you know, ever again, and, and that um, it's one of one. Uh, there isn't anything to compare it to. There wasn't anything that you could, you know, try and think back on to say, how am I going to get through this and figure this out? Um but, it, you know, I, I think as difficult as it was, there were definitely things to be thankful and grateful for. A lot of folks don't have jobs that even offer them the opportunity to go to a bubble and work for a while, which is difficult to do. 
but it's a job, right? And it's something that I love to do. So, yeah. um, so that part of it was really enjoyable. I think really observing the women though was probably the most fulfilling aspect of it. I think, and I'm sure, you know, the missus can tell us even better, like just the experience of being a woman in 2020, the WNBA is predominantly African-American and women of color. And so the the burdens that they carried in terms of trying to excel and be great on the court, carrying the mantle and their voices off the court, speaking out for things that they believed in, it wasn't easy. And I'm just thankful that we were healthy and we stayed healthy for the most part. We had a couple of injuries late in the season, but overall the ladies were healthy and um, we made it home safely. And we had a good regular season. Like, you know, we definitely... You know, we, we everybody wants to win the championship and advance in the postseason, but um, a lot that we can learn from and we'll see how things work out for us as we come back together for next season. Um, the NBA has gotten so much credit, all of it deserved, about the bubble and the activism and the awareness that they've brought to issues that deserved awareness for a lot longer than just the last few months. But right. it, when you talk about the NBA, it's like the, the WNBA has always been on the forefront and has always pushed and really been saying all this stuff. And it was just kind of a matter of a spotlight being shown on them and people listening and you have now these mega, mega, mega stars in Sue Bird, who's part of this power couple where it's like, you can't deny that they're celebrities and we have to listen to them now. So I think what the NBA has been able to accomplish would not even be possible if it was not for the leadership and the voices within the WNBA as well. And so it's just wonderful to see them finally getting the credit that they deserve. Yeah, no, I think those are great points. And I think it underscores the importance of us working together to solve problems, right? That um, that even though the WNBA ladies have always been on the forefront of using their voices and their platform to stand up for things that are much bigger and more important than any of us individually, you know, the, the voices and the platform that the men in the WNBA can add to these ladies' voices and these women, that's what really gives it the, the true essence and power that it needs in order to stand strong and, and over the test of time. And uh, it was great to see how both the, the men on, on the NBA side and the women on the WNBA side, the level of respect and admiration and appreciation for each other's sacrifices and choices to speak out for those that opted out and chose not to go and participate to continue their fight in the social justice conversation and movement. There was just a lot of love and positivity. And even though these are difficult conversations to have and difficult experiences, support and positivity and encouragement and not shouting people down for what they may personally believe in, right? We can differ in our opinions. We can debate our differences, but you're not a bad person or wrong necessarily if you don't see it exactly the way I see it. And so I think all of the opportunities for people to come together, it helps everybody to see that it is possible, whether you're man, woman, white, black, whatever descent, ethnicity, if you come together, you can really do some special things. 
CJ knows that if someone does not see something exactly how I see it, I do think they're wrong and a bad person. So now <laughs> he'll at least be able to be like, Megan, yeah. Derek says that yeah. if they don't see it, just so now you're giving CJ ammo. Right, we got- see, those are different. Those are different conversations. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, no, 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 I'm like, still on your side. I promise. Yeah, no, no, no. The house, the house is a that's a whole different community. Yeah, like the rules are different at home. Thank you, are. thank you. We you got know, we got really into the vlogs coming out of the bubble. The yeah. The one we watched most recently was about this chef who was cooking seven days a week. I mean, it, what this woman was doing was so incredible. And like, yeah, to just imagine, oh, my God, there's all these. This Russell Westbrook $8,000 tip is coming out. Like all the support staff that goes into it that we have we can forget about sometimes because they're not the people on the court. Now it started out that the food was sort of being like hounded on social media. By the time you left, where's there like stuff you actually liked about the bubble food pool? What was something that you actually like enjoyed? Um, wow. That's a good question. Yeah. I think the food started off rough. (laughs) A lot of it was perception, you know, like I think when you go into something and one, you're not sure what to expect, but you're already kind of thinking the worst of everything because it was just, it was such a sensitive and, and um, anxiety causing situation, like going into it. We had no clue <laughs> what this experience was going to be like. So I think that kind of factored into why the the perception of the food was really bad. Even on the men's side, there were some early complaints about right. the food, you know, in those first three or four days of quarantine. But I think over time, like you said, the support staff, the chefs, the hotel staff and representatives, housekeeping, you know, maintenance, security. You know, we were on a IMG Academy campus in Bradenton. So, you know, we were kind of staying on somebody else's property and mm-hmm. like in their house, so to speak. So they, you know, they kind of had to get out of the way for us at times. But I think by the end of it, I do find that the league, I think, found a way to try and serve the players' needs as much as they possibly could. The food needed to improve in mm-hmm. order for you to be able to expect the women to perform at a higher level. So those things improve, you know, a lot of adjustments on the hours of availability for food, like little things that you don't even think about. Yeah. That it's hard to put on these type of events, you know, when nobody's done, ever done this before. <laughs> so, right. uh, so the league had to learn a lot. I think for me personally, by the end of it, what I liked the most was that it, it did create a little bit more of a team family type of experience like where old school like mm-hmm. AU mm-hmm. you know it's out of town it's just us and I do think that that lended itself towards more time together as a team spending more time getting to know each other whereas typically like if we're in LA during a normal season as soon as practice is over like everybody goes in 25 different directions in LA but in the bubble we all were pretty much going yeah. back to this place so I think those things were were positive for it's, sure. It's like summer camp for sure. Yeah, it, so, was. it was. So I, I want to talk about, you know, we're on the brink of a potential title clinching game for, you know, your, you better knock on wood, knock on wood. I mean, he's I so I'm like so superstitious and he's like, let's get champagne. I'm like, oh, God, well, you just have it. I'm not, it. I'm not saying we're popping it on Friday <laughs> night, but I mean, it into existence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. A little bit of that. But because, um, yeah, game three, I was like. Oh, yeah, this is sweet. But we all saw what happened. I mean, and you are in those situations. I do want to talk about the current team, but maybe uh, a good way to segue into that is, you know, you've been in this position several times. You were on the the last five winning Lakers 
championship teams. I guess, can you tell us what that feeling is like personally and as a team heading into a potential title clinching game? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I had to shake my head because I'm always still surprised when I'm tied to those type of experiences and things like I just never imagined it growing up that it would be a reality because I grew up a Lakers fan. Magic Johnson was my all-time favorite player. Like, I just never imagined being in those same positions that he was in that I watched as a kid. So always surreal when I hear it. And then so when I think back to the experiences, you know, I, it's it's hard to explain, but I think you you really like imagine something that you've waited for for so long. And it's like it's literally right on the other side of like the door. But the rules say you can't open the door quite yet. Right. If you open the door, you might spoil the surprise. You know, it might not it might not actually be there. So you have to still be patient and not just open the door, even though, you know, it's right on the other side. And it's kind of like that type of feeling where one of the greatest things that you can ever experience in your life is that close. But you're going to violate your ability to access it if you try to reach for it too quickly. And so that's what it's like kind of being in those positions where, you know, even for the Lakers being up 2-0, like that's a different type of performance anxiety and or or pressure that is because you can start to get ahead of yourself because you can start to think that, oh man, we're only two wins away. Or if we win this game, you know, that's over. And it takes me back to some of those times where like the first experience really was when we played the Pacers in the finals in 2000 and we went up three, one after Kobe had just like, you know, to me, that's when his hair on his chest, like really came with an overtime against the Pacers Shaq fouled out. And he, I mean, he had two shots that were just like, those are the shots you grow up watching guys make and he made them. And so we went up three, one. And I literally remember the process of going to buy cigars and preparing ourselves and getting ready for us closing out this series in game five in Indianapolis. And man, we went out there and Indiana destroyed us, <laughs> like absolute destruction. And so then we had to come back to LA to finish it off in game six. And that was a learning experience of how you have to stay in a certain space in order to eliminate the opponent. So Friday is going to be interesting for the Lakers in the position that they're in to mentally have the discipline and the focus to not get ahead of themselves. It almost seems like, I mean, I'm going to make a metaphor to stand up, but it's not going to work. Where like in stand up, you'll go in and you're like, oh, this room hates me. And so anything positive you do, you're like, wow, okay. And so like playing as an underdog is so much more freeing for a, a team like the Heat, you know, they obviously have these injuries that have been really, really unfortunate, but they're able to just go out there and be like, let's just try and win. And, and the Lakers, especially LeBron, has to think about like legacy and choking and what will people set and like so many other aspects than just let's try and win. Correct. And yes, I do think being like not having the performance pressure to have to live up to anything, it is different. I would say for the Heat, because of their relative inexperience, like having to play in the finals in the bubble is somewhat different than if they were going back and forth, you know, between Miami and L.A. and what that experience would be like. But yes, I do agree that 
when you can just kind of show up and relax and just kind of be you and whatever the results are, people are going to pat you on the back anyway, say you did a great job. You were phenomenal. You'll get them next time. Even as a competitor, like you don't think that you're thinking (laughs) that or feeling that, but you are like you, you're not feeling the pressure that LeBron is carrying at the Mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. You can't because you haven't lived his life. Uh, You're not feeling what Anthony Davis is feeling. Uh, if you're Tyler Hero, it's it's just mm-hmm. different, mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean that he's okay with losing, but it's just a different experience, and that's sometimes why you see strange outcomes in these situations, right? Is because the Lakers are feeling that mm-hmm. tradition, the legacy, they're feeling the pressure of man. If we can win a championship, the you know in the year that we lost Kobe, you know we're wearing the Black Mamba jerseys. Like there's so much more. <laughs> than just them going to play a basketball game. And, you know, that's why sometimes, you know, you see the the games that just, you just can't explain. Why, well, how would they come out and play like that? And I, I think a lot of those times it's, it's more mental than physical. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I mean, we always joke about how, like, LeBron is not just, like, playing a basketball game and, and being kind of the most visible person in the NBA. He's also trying to, like, single-handedly end voter suppression, um, which is really hard. He's like, okay, we got to get all these felons in Florida paid off, but I also need a triple-double or Stephen A is going to rip me. And it's like, that's just, like, a lot on your plate to also then be a father and a leader and run a production company. I mean, it's a lot. Yeah, he makes me appreciate and respect 
what athletes today are doing more than anyone. Like the way he's found the balance of all of those things to still like perform at such a high level, which is what gives your voice the most strength and power, right? Like if he was averaging two points and two rebounds, even though he would be saying the same things, people wouldn't listen to it the same way. Right. Like we, the two of you or I could go and say the exact same things that LeBron says during interview. And it just isn't the same because we're not LeBron. And so like his, the, the way he balances his personal life, his professional life, the elite performance, the ability to somehow be relatable, even though he sometimes seems that he's from another planet. I just think it says a lot about who he is, his character, his integrity, and nobody's a perfect being, right? But it, it just, he just feels and presents himself in a way that there is a tremendous balance. And just from the little 1% of 1% that I, you know, have to deal with compared to what he's dealing with, it's tough to balance it all. So he just deserves a lot of credit. You have to tip your hat to him. And, you know, I think what he's doing for the organization and, and allowing the Lakers to be back in that conversation of the best team in the NBA. You know, it's been a long time coming over this last decade, but that's life, right? You know, you took the the Lakers of the 80s, right? The Showtime era. And then there was about a decade or so gap. And then, you know, the 2000s, you know, we kind of had our run that decade and then there was a gap. (laughs) And then, you know, the Lakers are now back. And, um, you know, Jeannie Buss deserves a lot of credit. Uh, and the Bucks family, Joey, Jesse, you know, Rob Palenka, Kurt Ramis is back, you know, involved in the family consulting. Like they just, they all deserve a lot of credit. Frank Vogel in his first okay. year, the staff, like it's been an enjoyable team to watch and uh, hopefully they can finish the job. Yeah. I mean, you played with the last great Lakers duo and, you know, this is just simply like the beginning of almost the next few years, potentially more championships. What advice would you give? LeBron and AD, as this is pretty much the beginning, that you wish you guys could have heard playing with, with Shaq and Kobe back in the 2000s? You know, I think each of them have verbalized and articulated quite well themselves, right? Is that they they seem to understand already that this is not guaranteed, right? That as great as they are, they're not entitled to be where they are. That they really do have to earn it and respect it and value it and appreciate the opportunity and the way that they communicate directly with each other, the relationship that they're forming amongst themselves. Like they're really keeping each other humble and hungry, but they're also really great teammates, which I think will also allow the Lakers to, as you know, they figure out over the next two or three years, as, as LeBron continues to, you know, kind of move closer to whenever the end of his career would be, they're going to be able to bring guys in that, enjoy playing basketball with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Like mm-hmm. they're great players, but they're great teammates. They pass the ball, they make the right plays. So I think my, you know, not even advice, because they, again, they those guys are otherworldly. Yeah. I can't tell anything, but I, my thoughts would be to really, whatever things that you need to do to keep that mentality, whatever tricks you need to play on yourself to convince yourself that literally tomorrow it can be over. Mm-hmm. Like literally tomorrow, you're going to be doing an interview about what you did 10 years ago. (laughs) Like that's how quickly it all goes. They both seem to 
approach things from that way, which is great to see. But um, those would be the mind tricks that they'll have to play. And then I think as an organization, continuing to find players and people that bring that new kind of like, I want to achieve that as well kind of energy to the team. Like you don't, you don't want winning to ever get old. And so I think those two guys are, are in the right place. And then they'll continue to try to make sure the right guys are surrounding them. Of your five championships. Wow. Do you have a favorite one? I know that's probably like picking children, but. Yeah, it's <laughs> they are like, you know, it's, it, it is because they all mean so much and you mm-hmm. just you love them in different ways. I think for me, probably the two that stand out the most would be 01 and then 2010. I, I think uh, 2001 is to me like it, you know, what we did as a team in terms of the the 16 and one postseason run, like to win 16 games in the postseason and only lose once is crazy. Yeah. Um, to begin with. And, you know, Shaq and Kobe's dominance at that time was no greater than, you know, I, I don't know if any two players were ever playing better than those guys at that time. But the year before, for me personally, super quick, like I, I came off the bench on the 2000 team. I, I struggled most of the season trying to figure out my role. And, you know, I kind of started to prove myself as a starter right before Phil Jackson came in. Then he brought Ron Harper in, came off the bench on the first championship team. I actually did some acting in the off season and I, I was on the Jamie Foxx show. Listen, you're in LA. Why not go out for pilot season? <laughs> so, Come on. So, yeah. So, so Kevin Garnett asked me, uh, cause he was on this episode as well. And he said, he asked me, what else do you want to achieve or accomplish? Like you've been on a championship team. Like, you know, that's gotta be great. Like what else is it? And I said, honestly, like as a guy that was coming off the bench, a lot of times, Feel with, you know, there's a certain point where the starters come back in the game in the fourth quarter. And I said, honestly, Kay, like, there's no disrespect to anybody else, but I, I really do want more of an opportunity to be in the game in the clutch moments and making the big shots and making the big plays. Like, I want my coaches and teammates to trust that we can win with me on the court at the end of the game. I had no idea that I was speaking that into existence at that time. But first, I found out that my right foot was basically fractured. I had an evicative fracture in my right foot. So I ended up having surgery. I was out for six months in that 2000-2001 season. So when I came back in March, I had spent six months rehabbing. Um, I couldn't walk for three months. I was on crutches. So I was doing things like sitting in a chair, you know, working on my arc, doing things that would help me get better. But I didn't know if that would carry over into getting back on the court and it it carried over. Like when I got back from that injury, I was starting, um, I shot the ball better than I'd ever shot it. We had a great postseason run. So that 2001 championship was like, that was a breakthrough for me that I'm capable at the highest level in the world to make the right plays to help my team win a championship in this league. And then 2010, of course, like if you're a Laker playing the Celtics in the finals, like, to grow up watching Magic and Kareem and James Worthy and those guys playing the Celtics in the finals in the 80s. And then to now, like in 08 and then now in 2010, playing against the Celtics in the finals. Like that, so that, you know, yeah. 01 and 2010, like the, those two 
are the like the really special children. Mm-hmm. The other three, I love them. <laughs> but uh, 01 and 2010 stand out. Yeah, awesome. I was rewatching some of 2010 and, and you hit that three, you know. I mean, you guys came back from down 13 in game seven against the Celtics. And it, it almost was reminding me of watching KCP in this series and playoffs in general. It's like LeBron and, and AD, not only the greatest players, but the greatest decoys. So it is going to be those those guys, those role players who have to be ready in the clutch. And like that, I think that, you know, that's one of your biggest identities was a clutch shooter. And like, that's what it takes to be those other pieces that plays with those, you know, those legends. And so, yeah, I mean, what, what was it? Like, did you, you knew that fully going well, like these guys can both drop 35, 40 in a game, but that last moment, the smartest play might be coming to me. So I got to be ready. Yeah. I mean, I think it's embracing that and appreciating the opportunity to be in that position, like to be that close to the greatest basketball players to ever play basketball. That still means you're pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah, I would say. So so it's like, so I think appreciating and embracing the fact that it's okay for those guys to be the stars. I don't have, I'm not competing with them. I'm not trying to steal their shine. I don't need to shoot as many shots as they shoot. My responsibility to myself and to my team is to make sure that we win. And that for me was always the, that's that was my get back to the guys that statistically were better than me, quote unquote. I wasn't going to score as many points as Mike Bigby or Allen Iverson or Ray Allen or anybody else that had a role on their team that was different than mine. That wasn't my job to do. So I think, you know, just mentally being able to, have the discipline to not try and be something else. And I don't think people understand how hard that is, though, because players like KCP, Rondo, Danny Green, Alice Caruso, um, I always forget which Morris brother we have. Um, (laughs) We have Marcus or Marquise? Marquise. Marquise, right? Um, Cools, like you said, on down the list. Like, those guys would give you 80 points at the gym right now. Yeah. <laughs> they are that freaking good. So it's a choice. It's like if um, Jordan Peele called you and wanted you to star in a movie. And it's like, okay, are you going to be the like the lead actor? Or are you, are you, are you going to be okay? Bitchy yeah. sidekick. <laughs> I want to be the bitchy neighbor. Or fun. Like, that's who I want to be. Yeah, like, but right, but, but that's accepting... Like it's it's a level of self-awareness that Mm -hmm. comes with embracing your role. And I think that surrounding LeBron and AD with those type of of players and people that are willing to embrace the role of the annoying neighbor, (laughs) 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 like that is what you need in order to win. And being teammates with some of the best to ever do that, Rick Fox, Robert Ory, Brian Shaw, uh, Luke Walton, Shannon Brown, Trevor Ariza, Sasha Vujicic. Like I could go on and on. Like that is what really makes the difference between like, you can't just put anybody. I read something the other day where it's like, it doesn't matter who's on the team with LeBron and AD, like the Lakers are in that's, that's the most incorrect statement uh-huh. anybody could ever say about a sports team. It it matters exactly who those guys are next uh-huh. to AD and LeBron. It matters. It's that buy-in, that accepting the role. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to Clippers. I mean, you know, 
on paper, they could have been better than the Lakers. I know your wife is a huge fan, so I wanted to get a little clip well, of shot. Well, I would also <laughs> just like to be on record that I think you're better than KCP. <laughs> so I just want, I know CJ threw the comparison out there. I was like, No, it just reminded okay. me, yeah, those moments. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, KCP, like when he, when he made those, uh, he scored those five points late in game four, it took me back to like, man, like to, to think about where he's come from the time he showed up in LA, right? Mm -hmm. And people doubting and questioning and second guessing and everybody having an opinion about what KCP should or shouldn't be doing and we shouldn't have him. And like, that's, That's I I remember that, right? I remember being the guy that everybody thought, oh, he's too old or he can't guard this guy or he's not fast enough. And so when you break through in those moments for your team that way, it is so fulfilling and gratifying for you, right? To be able to just persevere through things and. So I was really happy for him to have those moments where he broke through like that on the biggest stage. Well, Derek, uh, we're so appreciative of your time. We know, you know, aside from being a coach and an NBA legend, like you're also a parent. So we know uh, how we much- We saw a kid walk yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> our kids talk back. Well, he was are, like, oh, what's this? <laughs> are, you, are you now a teacher now that, you know, after after no, the season? No, okay. Good, no. good, good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm teaching anything. We, we try to help them by staying out of their way as much as possible. <laughs> But uh, when they need some help, you know, we're definitely there for them. But uh, I I tip my hat to all educators Mm -hmm. and teachers, even more so than I already did, because Mm -hmm. this this is not easy for them at all. You're a classroom role player, too. You're like, I'm not going to be the teacher. But listen, if you have one question, I can maybe (laughs) answer it. I'll be ready. I'm I'm self-aware that like fifth graders are actually smarter than me. I'm good with that. <laughs> Derek, right. thank you so much for being here on, we're recording this on Thursday. It'll come out Tuesday, but on the eve of what could be a potentially magical yeah. day in the city of LA. Yeah. So go Lakers, go Dodgers, go Sparks. Yep. And if I've, if I've missed anyone else in the that covers in it in LA terms of sports, but yeah. But yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Derek. Appreciate it very much, man. Thank you very much. Nice to see you, Megan. Nice to meet you. Do you mind if I take just like a little photo of us on this Zoom? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay, awesome. Okay, right. thank you, Thanks, Derek. Derek. We'll hopefully talk soon. Okay, thanks, CJ. All right, take care. All right, and that's been our episode. Thank you so much, Derek Fisher, for coming on. Thank you to Jack Kingsrud, who helped make that happen. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Greatest. I've been CJ Toledano. You can follow me at, at CJ Toledano on everything. And I've been Megan Gailey at Megan Gailey at Better Megan Gailey on Instagram. Thank you guys so much for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, be safe, wear a mask, vote, 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 and we will talk to you next week. Bye. The Greatest is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.